Welcome to Ask the Therapist, a monthly podcast for everyone who's interested in how our minds work, building resilience through journaling and all things therapy. I'm your host, Sarah Rees, a mental health nurse and CBT therapist with over 20 years of experience in the field of mental health. Hello, I have a question for you. Are you a worrier? After the couple of years we've had in this pandemic, we are all worrying a bit more. But there's a difference between normal worry and worrying to a point that it's impacting your mental health, your life and your relationships. Worries, doubts, anxieties are a normal part of everyday life, but excessive, persistent, uncontrollable worry is not. Worry that causes anxiety, panic, constant discontent, poor sleep is not something you need to live with. If you are constantly worrying about what ifs, worst case scenarios, or struggle to get anxious thoughts out of your head, worry could be taking a toll on your emotional and physical health. So in this episode, I'm going to help you understand what problematic worry is all about, the common causes and why it's so important you get help and how to get the right help. We are going to look at a couple of strategies to get you started in turning things around. I'm also in the process of putting together a worry workshop for later in the year, which I'm really excited about. So if you find this episode helpful, but you'd like to delve deeper into the strategies to help yourself, or if you're a therapist, counsellor or coach, because I know there's a few of you that listen, and that's very welcomed, that work with people who struggle with worrying, would you, and you would like to know how CBT therapists treat and work with worry in clinical practice, then this would be a great workshop for you. I've not finalised everything as yet, but it's likely to be about 90 minutes long. It'll be online and full of very practical strategies, which I use every day in clinical practice, and I know will transform your worrying mind into a calm and contented space, or help you to work with others to create this transformation. If you want to be the first to hear about the Worry Workshop, all you need to do is just be on my email list. I send out a weekly piece of mindset mail every Friday, And if you just head over to my website, saradreese.co.uk, you can sign up there. There's a sign up bar at the top of the website, or there'll be a link in the show notes too. You could say that this episode, this podcast episode, is an introduction into worry and CBT for worry. I've chosen this topic for a number of reasons, because it gets, every time I post anything about busy, anxious mind or worry, it gets so much attention, which tells me that lots of people are struggling with worry. And it's something I used to struggle with. But my training in in cognitive behavioral therapy has really transformed how I manage my mind and how I, I manage my worry. It was a really important kind of learning experience for me. And don't get me wrong, I do still worry. We can't eliminate it. That's never the goal. But we can learn how to spot it earlier, halt the worry process and learn strategies to change things. Worry is one of the most common difficulties I work with in my clinical practice. Some people come along and say I worry too much and they literally come for CBT to help them manage their worry. But often it's part of another presentation. So people worry more since a trauma or since a significant life event or a change or as part of having OCD or phobias or low self-esteem or panic. Many people, though, are unaware it's worry they struggle with until we name it in their therapy session. 
And lots of people have no idea that they don't need to be worrying like this, that worry is really treatable. People will say, I'm always catastrophizing, thinking of what could go wrong, feeling overwhelmed, my glass is half empty, or I have a really busy mind and I'm always on the go, always over planning and risk assessing. That's the kind of things that people who struggle with worry will commonly say that will kind of pique my interest and think there's worry going on here. Often people will feel like their life is good, so they shouldn't be worrying and they get frustrated with themselves. This then triggers self-criticism and guilt and things can get worse. We all experience at least one worrying thought every day. I would take a guess that it's, it's more than one. And that's because we are built for survival. So it's in our DNA to think about and focus on what could go wrong because that's been good for our survival. But it becomes a problem when it's too consuming for long periods of time and stopping you enjoying your life, taking up lots of your time, impacting your mood. Then we need to do something about it. Excessive worry is a problem for about 5% of the population. And in the clinical world, it's called having generalised anxiety disorder. So that's the clinical name for excessive worry. I think generalised anxiety disorder, I never like the term disorder because often it's really understandable and it's not a disorder. Well, I don't see it as a disorder. And I think the term sounds pretty scary, like we would think something serious really wrong with us if we, we were told that we had generalised anxiety disorder. So we could just call it worry because worry is on a continuum. So imagine a line, a worry line, and depending on what's going on in your life and where you're at, we are generally somewhere along that line. I know for certain that there will be times where we all will have um, been diagnosed as generalised anxiety disorder, like when we're moving house, getting married, massive life changes, when we've had lots of uncertainty in our lives, we'd all tick that box. So we're kind of moving up and down this continuum of worry, depending on what's going on in our lives, which is why after a couple of years of a pandemic where there's been high risk, lots of uncertainty, month to month, week to week, day to day, that worry is likely to have been triggered for a lot of people and probably that's why it's getting the interest whenever I post on social media at the moment. So worry is characterized by a busy mind, feeling of overwhelm, lots of what-ifs that really spiral out of control. There's a saying that every what-if leads to just another what-if, there's many. So symptoms, there's an acronym for some of the symptoms of worry and it's called Mr Fisk. That's how we remember it in the clinical world. So if somebody isn't sure and we need to think, are they meeting the criteria for excessive worry? We'll see if they fit the Mr. Fisk acronym, which is muscle tension, restlessness, fidgety, irritability, sleep difficulties and unable to concentrate. That's another way to look at the symptoms for worry. Also, people feel absolutely exhausted and worn out with it because any type of anxiety is just exhausting. Worry is generally themed as well so and people have kind of a few themes so a couple of them are health, finances and job. If somebody was just worrying about one theme like just focused on health then it would be classed as health anxiety 
So that's how we kind of tell the difference between specific anxiety or generalised anxiety. When generalised anxiety has a number of themes, so people worry about family, finances, employment and health conditions. So they have about two or three different themes of worry. The definition of worry by Brockovich in 1983 is that worry is a chain of thoughts and images negatively affect laden and relatively uncontrollable. It represents an attempt to engage in mental problem solving on an issue whose outcome is uncertain, but contains the possibility of one or more negative outcomes. Consequently, worry relates closely to the fear process. So maybe you recognise yourself in everything I've just discussed around what worry is. And then let's look at why it's important that you get help. Experiencing long-term anxiety for any reason is just not good for our, our psychological resilience, our relationships, our happiness and our stress levels. It really impacts, you know, our minds and our bodies are connected. So we are, we are struggling with our mental health, our physical health is impacted as well. And constant worry can really evolve into depression and give you a sense of hopelessness. It's really, really, you know, I don't want to be too lighthearted about this because it can be so debilitating when we are getting to this pattern of excessive worry. Our minds are like muscles. So the more we worry, the harder it gets to pull away from it. So the earlier you can seek help, the better. We have lots of control over our minds, more than we realise. And we, we have trained our minds to worry at times, and for, often for very good reasons. People think that if they worry, they'll be more prepared or motivated for when the bad things happen. So just as we can train our minds up to worry, we can untrain this as well. We have a lot more control over our minds. So some of the causes of worry are life events, Lots of uncertainty. We really know that what sits underneath worry is uncertainty. So I'll ask somebody in the session, how are you with uncertainty? Are you, are you kind of the person that goes with the flow and stuff? And they'll go, oh my gosh, no way. I like to know what's going to happen. I plan everything. Um, they don't like uncertainty. And the, the safer we make our worlds, the more dangerous they become. So the more certainty we try and get, the more problematic that becomes, if that makes sense. We need to be tolerant of uncertainty because the only thing that's certain in life is that things are going to change and that there is going to be uncertainty. So life events, people having lots of uncertainty in their lives or lots of a few bad things happening. Sometimes in our life, we have one bad event. And if it was just that one thing, we'd probably bounce straight back from it. But just how life is it never just happens like that does it it's one thing after another so people can unfortunately experience a real run of bad things happening so they implement worry as a way of managing it if I worry more then I can prevent more bad things happening because I just haven't got the resilience to kind of deal with the next thing some people maybe have a higher sensitivity to threat. So if you've had a lot of danger in your life, you might kind of notice it more and be a bit more sensitive to things going wrong. In my clinical experience, there's often a parent that's worried as well. And they've worried because one of their parents is worried. 
So it, I think it can be a learning style that we learn that template from a parent and that's not to criticise anybody. You know, and generally people will say, oh, my mum worries, but my dad's really chilled out or my dad's a big worrier, but my mum is really chilled. So it's a way of thinking that they've learned for a long time. So generally it's been there a long time or it's a number of significant events that have unfolded. I think some people have a sense of not being able to cope. If you think about times in your life when you've had to cope, how have you managed? People will say, well, I manage okay, but they have a real sense of if something else went wrong, I wouldn't cope. So that sparks worry. And we like to know what's going to happen. It's good for our survival. And we're all about survival and making sure that bad things don't happen. So I hope that gives a bit of an overview of some of what I find in my clinical practice and the causes. So let's look at how to treat worry. Well, of course, I'm biased, but there's therapy. When you're considering any form of psychological therapy, it's always good to discuss the options first with your GP. They will have a good overview of what services are available, different types of therapy that's out there. And I think it's good to just have your physical health reviewed, have your bloods taken, make sure there's nothing else going on, and then you can focus on psychological therapy. There are many different types of therapy available, but the evidence base for the treatment of generalised anxiety is cognitive behavioural therapy. The treatment protocol for worry is tried and tested, and we know it works. It really is really effective. The focus in CBT is helping people to understand the process of what's happening in their mind, whereas lots of therapies will focus on the content. But with worry, every, like we've said, every what if leads to another what if. So you could easily fill hours of counselling session or sometimes the therapies talking about the content. When working with somebody with excessive worry, it's really about helping them pull away from the content and see the process of what's happening and then helping them learn the strategies to alter the process. So I'm not saying other forms of therapy won't be helpful. They absolutely can be. We know, for example, that how well you get on with your therapist, therapeutic alliance, really predicts a positive outcome of therapy. But CBT has the efficacy in terms of recovery. So it's had the research done around it in terms of effectiveness. I think it's in the NICE guidelines as well for the treatment of generalised anxiety. So I'd really recommend CBT as the first point of call for excessive worry. A second treatment strategy is journaling. Again, I'm completely biased because I've put together a CBT journal. You know, if you follow me, I'm a big fan of journaling. But here's my rationale. To successfully manage feelings of worry, you need to become aware of the patterns of your mind. And journaling is a great place to start because sometimes people want to understand. One of the blocks for people coming to therapy is that they don't really know what the problems is. They haven't got a handle of things. And for some people, spending a few weeks journaling, writing what's down, what's going on for them helps them see the patterns and helps them feel like they can start therapy from a better foundation. So journaling is a great place to start. If an anxious thought or worry pops up, note it down. Transforming our worries into words on a page creates distance from the worry and it helps gives us clarity. So there's one thing about our 
worries going around in our head they just kind of that's a really bad habit and it can go on automatically there's something about getting it down on paper that just gives you that bit of distance it helps us think more objectively it's also an opportunity to postpone worry which is sometimes a useful strategies so if you notice a worry write it down and think I'm going to come back to that at a later date so rather than just kind of every worry that comes into your mind going with it and spending ages kind of thinking about it get into the practice of writing it down and then setting aside a worry time say at seven o'clock in the evening and sitting down with your list of worries and revisiting them because what you find is that that bit of distance settles your emotional state shifts and actually it's not a problem anymore so that can wipe out a lot of worries it's important to come back to what you've written when you feel calm more able to approach things with a positive mindset so if we are really anxious and agitated it's really difficult to think logically so when you kind of set worry time aside to come back to things you've noted down try and be in a calm place if you can so you have to become more aware of the patterns of your mind and journaling is a great place to start some people journal a few times a day say at meal times they note down what they are worried about or they kind of just do it in the morning or in the evening when we start journaling or becoming aware of our minds it's common to feel for things to feel a bit worse and what's happening there is that you are putting your spotlight attention you're focusing in more on the worry and you're doing that with the purpose of kind of becoming more aware of your mind so that you can see the patterns of your mind, which is really useful, but it can be uncomfortable to increase your awareness, but it's a really important step. With worry as well, the first thing we do is help people understand a little bit more about worry. And this re- I found this really transformative when I start to understand it in my CBT training. And that is when we worry, there is only ever two types of worry. There's real worry, which is in the here and now. It's happened. So if I break my leg, that's happened. It's a real issue. And then there's hypothetical worry, which is future-based worry. It's not happened. So the worry I could break my leg is a future worry. It's characterized by what-ifs. And we've said before, every what-if leads to another what-if. So now you know that there's two types of worry, real and hypothetical. When you've spent some time looking over your worries that you've been writing down and journaling, go back to them and have a think, is this a real worry or hypothetical? Because you work with each worry differently. With real worry, you can problem solve it. You can go into action and think, right, what can I do next? And that's why people say when actually something does go wrong, I cope really well. It's the worry of something going wrong that's the problem. So with real worry, you can problem solve it. With hypothetical worry, you need to recognize it. that It's not happened yet and let it go. And this is a skill that needs to be mastered. But once you've mastered it, you've gone a long way to cracking the worry cycle. It's like our grandmothers used to say cross that bridge when you get to it so until problems happened really don't engage in the the thought processes around it also for the treatment of worry I think mindfulness plays a really important role 
Because mindfulness, the, the aim of mindfulness, it's about attention training. It's about calming the mind down, being in the present moment. And people who worry a lot describe being future in the future, worrying about what could happen. So mindfulness is training the brain to be just in the moment, also trains the brain to just notice thoughts, allow thoughts to be there and not engage in every thought you have. Um, so I think I don't, I don't know what the research is around um, mindfulness and worry. I know the the research is for we know that mindfulness helps depression because it helps you pull away from the negative thought pathways that you can get tangled up in. And I just it makes sense to me that this also works for anxiety. So I always recommend that people start a mindfulness practice. I recommend a couple of apps. There's Headspace or there's app on your phone. So you can download those apps. You can try them for free. But I would be kind of practicing for at least 10 minutes every day. I think it's a really, really good boost to the therapy that you're having. Something that you can do every single day it helps calm. When we've been anxious for a long time, our body gets used to being in that anxious state. And I think you need a daily practice that settles your body and settles your mind down. Now, if you've been anxious for a while, doing that kind of practice is uncomfortable. So don't expect it to be easy. And in fact, we know the people that struggle the most with mindfulness and get really irritated with it, and that was definitely me when I started, um, actually get the most benefit out of it. So if you don't like mindfulness, you find it irritating. I mean, of course, it's not for everybody, but generally have a think about sometimes the thing we struggle with is actually the thing we need. The busier your mind, the harder mindfulness is going to be. So mindfulness is just meditation practice. There's so much out there, free resources on YouTube and just Google mindfulness meditations. Hundreds of resources will come up. I did do a blog so you can check out the blog. I'll put a link to it in the show notes on um, mindfulness and there's links to all the resources in that. But I think that's a really nice kind of adjunct to kind of the therapy around worry. I'm now going to talk you through just some journal prompts. If you want to get started with how you manage worry yourself, then you're going to be kind of starting to note down your worries. And I think I don't want you to engage too much in the process of going, what if this, what if that, what if the other? I want you to try and be more specific with what the worry is. So I am worrying about this. Try and be firm, specific. And then I want you to write down is it real or hypothetical? So you name it as real or hypothetical. And then think what the next part is, what do you need to do? Problem solve it or let it go. And try and be really firm with your mind. Your mind is a muscle. You can take it to the psychological gym every day and practice working with worry in a different way. So I hope you found this helpful. And you've got some a few strategies to kind of get started with around journaling, writing down your worries, but not just writing the content, thinking about the process, thinking about how your worries, worries are and naming the worry. Is it real or hypothetical? And then the next step would be either to go and see your GP and discuss therapy options. Look for a CBT therapist in your area. Ideally, they need to be accredited and accredited in the UK with the BABCP. That's the British Association of Behavioural and Cognitive Psychotherapies. Or 
get your name on my email list and as soon as the workshop's written and available you can join me to delve deeper into into some of these strategies i hope you found that helpful and i look forward to seeing you next month same place same time take care thank you for listening to as a therapist for more information about the CBT journal, visit my website at saradreese.co.uk. You can also sign up to download your free guide to building emotional resilience, delivered straight to your inbox. You will then also receive regular newsletters where I share my blog posts, podcasts, and tips and strategies for better mental health and psychological resilience. Don't forget to review and subscribe to the podcast, and you can also share episodes on social media using the hashtag AskTheTherapist. This episode was written and presented by me, Sarah Rees, and edited by Big Tent Media and produced by Emily Crosby Media.